This is episode 16 of the Lombard Trucking Podcast, Sweet 16, that is. Welcome back, everyone. Glad you could be here. I'm coming at you live from Lordsburg, New Mexico, on my way back east. I recently made a YouTube video about veterans in trucking and why they seem to thrive or find success. And I kind of wanted to record a podcast to do a little deep dive into some theories I have regarding veterans entering the civilian world or going into the civilian workforce. And it's just some things I've been to float around in my noggin as I'm driving cross country. But before I get rolling into that, let me catch you up to the same mile marker that I'm at at the moment. Last we checked in, I was in McKinney, Texas. I got unloaded there. And then I headed down to Kyle, Texas, grabbed some self-checkouts, Locked up my trailer, headed back to the house, and parked for the weekend. Ran a half marathon this weekend in Fredericksburg, Texas. Got a big group of us. Some did the 5K and the 10K. And uh, me and a good friend of mine did the half marathon. We're keeping ourselves honest, keeping the training up. I'm going to run marathon number two this year here in June up in Missoula, Montana. So I'm just, I'm full steam ahead. Can't slow down now. It's awesome. If you haven't been... To Fredericksburg, Texas. It is worth it. You're in wine country out there in Texas Hill country. The town itself is like an old German style town with like beer halls and ice cream and uh, breweries and food. There's no open container law. You can drink on the sidewalks as you're walking down. It's a really, really fucking cool town. We ended it up. We ended up at uh, one of the vineyards out there and uh, they're just gorgeous. Beautiful day, 85 degrees. There's really, there's really nothing better than Texas Hill Country. It's gorgeous, especially while on that half marathon. You come around this nice bend, and there was like this one peak where it's just like, fuck, I ain't living anywhere else. But so a weekend wrapped up. I rolled back out on Monday, headed back up to Arkansas to drop those self-checkouts off. I headed up to grab it, dropped the full trailer on the yard, grabbed an empty and then from there, my next load was going out west. And this is what I like to call the California turn and burn. And what we do is I take an empty trailer to a Lazy Boy manufacturer in Siloam Springs, Arkansas. I give them the empty. I grab a loaded one that's on their yard. And that loaded one goes from Siloam Springs, Arkansas, all the way back out west across I-40 to Ontario, California. There's a Lazy Boy distribution center warehouse there. You get unloaded, and then you're empty. From there, we'll actually shoot across Los Angeles down to right outside the port of Long Beach, a town called Carson, California. And it's actually very similar to where I pick up the belts in New Jersey. The, the two towns are almost the same, too. These towns uh, rely solely on the ports. They're loaded with warehouses rail yards, and similar to where I pick up those belts for trousers in Jersey, I go to a warehouse out in Carson where they receive containers off ships. The containers get to that warehouse, they take the product off, reorganize it into orders, and then guys like me come out, pick them up, bring them back to the next destination. What's really cool about going to these places, uh, the customer is DSV. That's who we're picking up for. And I believe they're just a large freight 
and uh, shipping company. And on the bills and the bill of lading, you can actually see the name of the ship slash vessel that it comes on when it departed and the port it departed from. So this one I got to see that it was on the vessel called the Egypt and it departed from the Yanishin port, which I'm going to assume is in China. That's where most of these come from, especially if it's coming into the port of Los Angeles or Long Beach, odds are it's coming from China. Now, here's a little insider baseball, and I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but this is where your backup in the supply chain has come from. The bills of lading I have said that this ship departed the Yanishin port back in January. I want to say January 23rd was the date. Uh, paperwork's up front. I'm not going to grab it. Uh, and it arrived at the port of Los Angeles on March 30th. So, I mean, that ship... It, didn't, it doesn't take that long to sail to the U.S. from Canada, I can tell you that. That ship was likely hanging off the coast of California waiting, waiting to dock because there were so many ships backed up in their backlog. So it probably just sat out there hanging out until it was finally able to get a call from the port that they can come in and offload them. We've been having the same issues with those belts in Jersey. My company, R&R, will send drivers up there because they're saying that there's loads ready. And then we'll have drivers get there, and they're like, oh, that container's not even uh, unloaded yet. Or, oh, that container's not even here. So that's where you're getting a lot of your backlog. But I got there. It was uh, easy in, easy out. I got loaded. Uh, this time, it's, it, we pick up all sorts of different product in there. Last couple times I've been out there, it's been stuff like oil pressure valves or oil valves. I go back to either Oklahoma City or Dallas, and that stuff goes out to the oil fields. I've one time grabbed... Uh, apparel, clothing that went back to a department store warehouse. Current load I've got is going back to Grand Prairie, Texas, and that's the midst of the trip I'm in. But before I started headed back east, I actually had a copper reset. So I got loaded on Thursday, and then I made my way from Carson right back just to Ontario because traffic around Los Angeles is quite the nightmare. So I just scooted up. 50 miles back up to Ontario, and I was going to get my reset in there. Where I shut down Thursday and then roll out early Saturday morning at time of recording. It's Saturday afternoon in New Mexico. And during that reset, I made sure I'd stayed active. I got a good, like, six miles of walking in. I hit up this mall, and I bought one of those, like, longboard-type skateboards. Now, I got my bike with me. But I've been kind of thinking, like, ah, the bike is in my passenger seat. i got to take the seatbelt off, take it out of the truck, put the front tire on, pump it up with air, get my little emergency bag ready, make sure i got a full thing of water, figure out where the fuck I'm going. Am I only going a mile? Might as well walk. So, But I walked on over to this mall, and I talked to a couple guys in there. Shout out Rico, shout out Hector for helping me out, for making sure I found exactly what I was looking for. And uh, so I got one of these things because now I could just roll out and these things can go over like some, you know, they got those wider, thicker tires. So they glide, man. It's just, it's just like riding a snowboard. They're, they're, they're freaking awesome. And you can kind of go over rougher pavement. You don't got to worry about cracks like a regular skateboard. You hit like this, uh, like a one little fucking cunt hair of a crack. You're flying forward and uh, smashing your face uh, on the pavement. So yeah, I got one of those things. I rode it around, rode it back from the mall yesterday and kind of dicked around. It's good. You got to do that stuff. I, 
you know, I rode a skateboard my whole life up until I got a driver's license. You know, me and my friends and the and the band I used to play with in high school. I mean, we used to practice at my parents' house and in a, in the basement, and then get on our skateboards and skateboard miles all the way to a Wendy's and Waterbury and would hang out there. We just used to skateboard all around town, and eventually we got our driver's licenses. And I guess we grew too cool for skateboards, but it's one thing I learned about growing up. It's to stop growing up. And you're getting that skateboard yesterday and, you know, getting loose on it, you know, felt good. Makes you, makes you not feel, you know, the world kind of stands still for a moment, I guess the best way to describe it. But that brings you up to speed on where I'm at in my journey. And now before I get rolling into a deep dive of veterans and trucking, how about another message from my sponsor at Keepers Only? This episode is brought to you by Keepers Only. Keepers Only is an eco-friendly and sustainable clothing brand out of New York. Guys, founder Derek Ciliota grew up spending his summers in Montauk, New York on the water and at the young age of five years old grew a deep passion for fishing. So much so that it inspired him to create this clothing brand today. With summer around the corner, you're gonna wanna get some of this apparel, guys hoodies, joggers, bucket hats, ball caps, and their very cool, comfortable fishing shirts. And if you're a trucker like me, those fishing shirts will actually come in handy because where sunlight and UV rays are good for you, you're behind the wheel of a truck and in this windshield, it's like being in a permanent greenhouse. Protect yourself, fishing shirts from Keepers Only. And for all of you out there, you gotta go to keepersonly.co and use promo code Lombard Trucking at checkout. That's keepersonly.co and use promo code Lombard Trucking to get 15% off your order. And we're back. Let's get right into it. So I initially thought about making this segment a LinkedIn post, and then I realized okay, that is gonna be way too long of a LinkedIn post. And then I was like, okay, let me type this one up as a script and make it nice, clean and cut, and I'll bring it to voice that way. And then I realized if I try to turn it into a script, I'll probably never end up getting this to voice. So per usual, I'm just going to fire from the hip on this one and let it fly. I kind of want to talk veterans transitioning into the civilian world and workforce, veterans and trucking, and how being a veteran in the workforce, I think comes with a stigma and I'm going to explain all this from my point of view, and it's a theory that I've kind of developed from other articles and posts I've read actually on LinkedIn. So let's get right into it. Let's go all the way back to 2012 when I was transitioning out of the military. I had a head full of steam. I was ready to go to college, smoke some weed, have my own apartment, have some freedom. You know, I had friends who had already gotten out, and they all talked about how the grass is so much greener on the other side, and I couldn't wait. And I went to college, and I've talked about my time at the University of New Haven on previous episodes, but for any first-time listener, I played lacrosse in college, I joined a fraternity there, and those two things acted as a band-aid for me as a veteran. With the lacrosse team, I had the camaraderie, I was joining something that was really going through a rebrand, building themselves up, back up from the ground floor, it was awesome. Joining the fraternity kind of helped carve me out a little bit. Um, 
it made me grow up in different ways with working with so many different groups of people, diverse groups, multicultural organizations, sororities, hosting philanthropic events, fundraisers. Uh, I had leadership roles within the fraternity, uh, so people were counting on me. Those two things were band-aids. By band-aids, I mean they covered up the, what I'll say as regrets or that missing piece not being in the military anymore. And I say that because I know other veterans who went to college and all they did was go to class and go home. And they end up a lot end up quitting because they come to realize that, you know, the real world is not as cool, something to be proud of as being in the military. I I don't really know how to explain it, but you kind of realize that being a marine or being in the military, you know, it's it was your identity for a long time, and it's kind of ingrained in you as to who you are. So when you get out and you're trying to transition, it's hard to let go of that. And you never really let go of it. And so a lot of guys, when they don't get involved in certain stuff in college, they're like, man, fuck this. You know, I did so much more and harder shit. And like, this is worthless, so to speak. I had a couple of those moments where I'm like, oh, this is so fucking dumb. But anywho, you know, you get the picture on that. So I graduated in 2016 and no real fear started to set in about getting a job or anything like that. Cause I had embarked on this really cool road trip. I linked up with friends from my unit, guys I hadn't seen in years. And then I got back and then the fear started setting in. I was 26 years old. You know, I'm like, where's my future going? My high school peers, they have all, um, they're kind of moving up and moving on in their careers. Some are police officers, firefighters, corrections officers. They've gotten promotions. Everyone, for the most part, is doing really well. I love it. It's, you know, and then here I am. I'm still like wet behind the ears. And I don't, I don't got a job yet. Where am I going? And all throughout college, I remember having people, career development center, you know, friends, professors all tell me, hey, man, that veteran thing's going to really come in handy. It's going to differentiate your resume. It's going gonna, it's gonna to help you stand out. And while I was in college, it helped me stand out. It actually got me a better paying internship in the summer of 2015. Um, it was always a conversation starter. And then in April of 2016, I started applying to jobs. I was applying to hundreds and hundreds of jobs. Even while I was on that road trip, I was applying to jobs. I get home, I'm applying to dozens of jobs every single day. Reformatting cover letters, you name it. I was grinding it out. I ended up getting a job, though. Uh, because of zero of those applications or because I was a veteran. I ended up getting a job at Enterprise Rent-A-Car because of a good friend of mine I went to college with, who I played lacrosse with and who was part of the same fraternity. And so I got the job at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Now let's flash forward to summer 2017, my first midlife crisis. (laughs) So at Enterprise, you have this thing called ESQI or ESQI. It's a monthly customer service score you get based off of randomized phone surveys out to enterprise customers. That month we got a bad score. So I knew that was gonna lead to getting our asses chewed by our area manager. And at six o'clock, he was there, he locked the door. We got our dicks kicked in for about an hour. And for a second, that was like one of the first times I actually thought I was back in the Marine Corps. You know, cause when you get your ass chewed in the Marine Corps, you just stand there and take it. They fucking blast you. You fucked up. Here's how. Here's what you need to do. You're a piece of shit. And then it's over. And the next day, the guy just chewed your ass. Just like, hey, did you hear what I said? Yep. 
okay, let me buy you a beer. And, you know, that's what I was getting when I was in that ass chewing at Enterprise. I was just sitting there taking it. And I kind of had this, like, euphoric rush over me. Then I remember leaving, and I was walking to my Jeep, and that all disappeared. And as I was walking to my Jeep, I became butthurt, sad. And I was thinking to myself about some of those days of July of 2010 when I was 29 Palms, and, you know, we were on this firing exercise, and I remember all week we slept like three, four hours a night. I would just roll out my isomat, unlace my boots, fucking lay down, pass out. I would think about those times at Fort Bragg when it was fucking pouring rain, miserable as shit, smoking wet cigarettes. I was thinking about some of those horrible days in Afghanistan, fucking shitty, cold, standing post, 3 a.m., wind blowing, watching dogs through your night vision goggles fucking rip each other apart. <laughs> and, I, and, you know, you're thinking, you're like, I didn't go through that to go through this. Knowing damn well the guy who just chewed my ass couldn't fucking last a day in the shit. You know, from when I was in the Marines. I'm not going to let that guy talk to me like that. I don't fucking deserve this. And so that kicked me in the ass to start finding another job. And through the alumni, through an alumni of the fraternity I was in in college, I found another job. This job, the veteran thing kind of helped. It was a little bit more of a line of blue collar work. More on that in a little bit. The guy who interviewed me in the second round of interviews, VP of operations, loved the fact that I was a veteran. I think off the cuff, as soon as I walked in the door, he knew he was going to hire me for the job. There was kind of a benefit. FW Webb is a plumbing and heating wholesaler. You're dealing with a more blue-collar line of work, working in uh, warehousing and a a contractor store, and you're dealing with guys who are contractors. Flash forward, uh, I'm offered a promotion. This is right around end of summer 2019 right before I'm about to get married, and I was offered a salary. I went to go negotiate that salary. Uh, and negotiating salary 101, they name what they're going to pay you. You come back with something high, hoping that they'll dish back what you actually want. So that's what I did. I threw out something high, hoping I'd get this, and then I explained why in this process. And during this time, I was talking to the general manager who had offered me the promotion, who was ready to uh, give me the position of running a store and warehouse in North Jersey. I explained why I deserved this pay, and it had to do with my military experience, my previous professional experience, as well as my experience and time at the current company. For the role I was getting, there are gentlemen who their only experience is was the same that I had had up to that point with FW Webb, nothing before that. So recent college graduates. I fought my case, pleaded best I could, and respectfully, the general manager who offered me the promotion couldn't budge. Okay, that's fine. Um, it just seemed odd. And that got me kind of to another breaking point. And I was thinking in my head, why the fuck did my experience not matter? That's what it came across me as, is that it didn't fucking matter at all. Like, he couldn't budge from it for any reason at all. It's almost like he didn't listen. I'm not looking to get my dick sucked out here, but I'm looking for the military experience to be viewed as professional experience, as time in the professional world. Because it is, you are working, 
You are getting a paycheck. You're getting life experience. You're getting work experience. You're working with a team. You're doing certain things to complete tasks to accomplish a mission. I think military experience should translate to professional experience. If I'm wrong, feel free to reach out to me, plead your case as to why. I'd love to hear it. But it gave me the kick in the ass to keep looking for new jobs. I was willing to take a step back, kind of go into different parts of careers, maybe enter the tech world, maybe get back into something a little sales oriented, or maybe stick with something in the supply chain and logistics world. Open for anything, just something new that was going to put me on a path towards a successful career. And I had actually gotten a couple interviews uh, right, right after I got back from my honeymoon. I started going through a process of looking for jobs and getting interviews. And I'll never forget this one job I was going for. I went through, through multiple rounds of interviews. And I did some fucking homework on this one. And I drew up this entire schematic of how my job in the Marine Corps directly related to this role that I was applying for. Now, this role would have been a step backwards. It was very entry level. Salary was entry level. But I knew it would get me in with a company that could put me on a great path of success. And I remember walking out of that interview. I did the, I was like doing the Aaron Rodgers fucking championship belt. I was like, I, I crushed it, killed it. No way they've ever heard anything like that. Like I knew as soon as the computer shut off, they were probably like fucking sold. Let's go. I got the phone call the next day and ah, we're sorry. We ended up going with another candidate who had some different, you know, better experience, more aligned towards this job. All right. Roger that. What can you do? All right. What can you do? Well, I was once again at a, kind of another tipping point. And I was thinking to myself, how? How is my military experience? It's like it didn't even fucking matter. Like even in the interview, as I was talking about it, it was like it didn't even fucking matter. It wasn't a blip on the radar. I'm talking about it. And I would get questions like, okay, so how about in your current role? How does it relate to this? It's like they didn't even want to hear what I was saying in the military experience side of things and how I you know, made the role sound like something I had done before and something I could do very, very well. It's like it didn't fucking matter. And it really, really fucking ticked me off. At this point, I'm 30 years old. I'm thinking house, kids, you know, what, you know, we're committed to moving to Austin at this point. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? Coronavirus hits. And then that's when I had the kick in the ass. All right, I'm changing careers. I'm going into trucking. And that's once again, this is another blue collar type career where veterans seem to find success. Similar to when I got into FW Web, you deal with a lot of contractors, a lot of plumbers, HVAC guys. You meet a lot of veterans along the way. Veterans seem to succeed in these blue collar lines of work because they are jobs of merit in multiple ways. And they're jobs where if you, you bust your ass, you know, you'll, you'll get ahead. And I'd say that is a factor of why I got into trucking. I knew it's a place where veterans would thrive. You know, I had this sense of kind of patriotic duty when COVID hit. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to fucking serve America through a fucking pandemic. Let's go, baby. You know, I had that in the back of my mind. But also I was like, well, hey, a lot of the, you see these companies, they advertise, they want veterans, et cetera. So, okay, it looks, I'm, I'm like, looks like I'm getting into a veteran-friendly type of employment. Now, I know that's a long story, and 
I'm kind of overlapping some stuff I talked about in previous podcasts. If you're a first-time listener, go back. I go into more detail about how and why I get into trucking. That has to do with my family's business. But recently, I was reading some articles about veterans in the workplace and some of their struggles finding jobs and going through interview processes and promotions as well as salary negotiations. So I started reading these articles and I started seeing some things where I was like, oh, okay, now this makes a little bit of sense. And what I'm talking about is I think that there is a stigma that gets carried with veterans who go towards white collar or tech work or jobs in the corporate world. Uh, That stigma I'm talking about has to do with politics. And I don't want this podcast to be very political. Uh, we'll touch on it sometimes, especially as it does, especially as it sometimes pertains to the trucking world. You know, politics plays a factor. But I'm not here to scream into an echo chamber and stammer about identity politics and the culture war. However, I think this relates. Uh, I'm a veteran, and I think this very much relates. And I was reading about how that there are companies, especially in the tech world and and in certain industries that brand themselves as being a little bit left of center, more progressive, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with companies wanting to have a good or solid image to the public to let them know that they're not, you know, pieces of shit, I guess. You know, companies free to do as they please. And then I remember I was reading this article about how veterans were struggling in finding jobs and getting promoted because there were so many veterans at uh, the January 6th bullshit and how there's this stigma of veterans being right wing or conservative. And that's what um, <clears throat> holds them back in the professional world. And I think that that's true. And I think I kind of experienced some of that stigma in the applications for jobs I've had in the interviews I've had, where I feel as though the people who are interviewing me were looking down on me for being in the military or looking though I was some sort of right-wing douchebag or some like hardcore Trump supporter type guy. I personally, I think that's the fucking truth. And honestly, it's fucking bullshit. I think it's something that needs to stop. And that's why I'm putting this on the podcast. And I think I will go on LinkedIn and say something about it because I think there's people who sit there high and mighty on their chairs up there with some of these companies, some of these tech firms and social media companies and uh, creation companies or whatever the hell they do, software, sales, whatever the hell they do. And I think they look at, I think they see veteran. They're like, ah, here we go. This guy's going to be a problem. You know, I don't know if he's going to fit in with the company culture. It's looked at that way. I think that's fucking trash. But you know what? You know what that means? It's not going to change overnight. So my message out there to any veterans who want to break out into something, a career that they really want to do, you want to get into software, tech, IT, uh, acting, theater, just fucking go after it. Work, work twice as hard. Because you know, that's the world we live in. Because no one does give a shit at the end of the day. Your military service, all that stuff I came to learn, no one fucking cares. You just got to keep working harder. That's it. Yeah. Should they look at your military service and be like, hey, that's, that's professional experience. This works. This guy's got some real-life experience. Regardless of your job, hey, should they view it as such? Sure. They're not. They're viewing it as a stigma. Guess what we got to do? Work twice as fucking hard. 
And guess what? If you were in the military or if you were a Marine, you know all about working twice as fucking hard. That's what you got to do. That's how you got to get ahead. I mean, that's just the way it's going to be. If you made it this far, if you listened this far, thank you. I really, really do appreciate it. I've got a lot of big things coming within the next few weeks. And uh, I need everyone's help along the way. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Throw me some five stars on there. Hey, check out keepersonly.co. Uh, they got some cool shirts, comfortable shit. Use that promo code Lombard Trucking at checkout. And if you or anybody you know is willing to get their CDL and come out here and make some money, please do not hesitate to reach out. Find me on all the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, at Lombard Trucking. Be careful that algorithm out there. It is out to get you. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm not trying to scream in any echo chambers out here. I'm just speaking my mind, kind of going off the cuff, a little bit of my experiences, how I think it's a factor in the real world out there. Hey, I could be wrong. Like I said, I welcome conversation, and I welcome any sort of healthy debate. But personally, I just think that there's uh, some people behind the scenes who kind of look down on vets, um, and it's just a, you know, I think it's just a load of bullshit. But, yeah, so while you're out there on the, the internets, careful that algorithm, man. They're hunting for you. They're trying to get you. They want you to be thinking a certain way. They're, you know, your time is valuable. Don't give it to them for free. Give your time to your friends, your family. You, you gave time to this podcast. Do that for your other friends. They got businesses out there. Let's, like I said, uh, I've mentioned it before. Let's clean up social media. You know, we don't want to dump oil into our rivers. Let's not dump oils into the algorithm. Let's just you know, talk about shit that's cool. Now, that's why MySpace was so fucking sick. All people did was just like share local music and like bands from your area. You know, shout out to Naugatuck Valley, Cafe Napoli, Naugatuck American Legion. Remember those days? Where all anybody cared about was just, you know, sharing people's music on MySpace and going to local shows? Yeah, it was the fucking shit. You know, now it's identity politics and the culture war and all this fucking nonsense. So let's go. But I've gone on a little too long. Thank you all once again listening. And as always, if you ever want to talk, I'll be here.